It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner. Welcome into another edition of the Skinny Podcast. It's the Potpourri edition with Rick Broering, and it's presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. Rick, fire away. Skinny, college basketball season got underway this week. All of the local teams have at least played one game now. So the question is this, which local college basketball fan base should be the most worried after their team's debut? I'm going to go with Wilmington because they got boat raced by by NKU. They are technically in the, in the TD12 viewing area. Yeah, so that's I a good think, answer. I, I think I'd be a little worried if I was Wilmington. Um, Lindsay no. Patterson's not going to like that <laughs> No, answer. that's right. She's the one of the most famous alums from Wilmington. They should change their name to the Wilmington Lindsay Patterson. Exactly. They'd be way better off. Trust me, way better off. Um, I honestly think, I think Cincinnati's. Um, Kentucky's, I get why they're worried. You don't get beat by that margin by anybody ever. And it was an ugly margin, right? Um, I think we'll get into this maybe a little bit, but I think that says more, says as much about how good Duke really is as how bad Kentucky is and was that night. I still think Kentucky's a pretty good team. For UC, though, the questions coming in were, can Kane Broom be the scorer? Not, not that he was at Sacred Heart, but could he be a 12 to 15 point per game scorer? Could Trey Scott give you some scoring? Um, you know, what what do you do when Jaron Cumberland doesn't score in a half? You had no answer for that. And he was obviously great in the second half. I think I'd be worried if I was UC because the questions that were there even raised more questions. Xavier did not play well either. You were there. Yeah. Um, but they have an answer coming back. They have maybe not their best player. I mean, you could argue Najee Marshall might be their best player, but their most important player is still coming back, Quentin Gooden. So that's... That part, I think you can say, okay, hey, our guy's coming back. We weathered a storm. Um, you know, Wisconsin's coming up. We'll get maybe a better litmus test coming up on Tuesday. Um, they got Evansville before that. but and, and obviously, Kentucky, the way they lost was just super, super ugly. But they still have guys. They, they've got dudes. I'd be really worried if I was UC's fan base. I, I, that, was just, that was disappointing. I totally get where you're coming from because if if you're watching that, especially from the fans' perspective, where you come in with some optimism because it's a new season, you've got that beautiful new arena. Um, obviously, the way last year finished, you're just looking to rinse that right. taste out of your mouth and see anything different from the way last year finished. To start the season the way it started, I totally get why fans would be worried if they're UC fans. I, I disagree with you on this answer, though, because I think – UC, to me, looked like the team I expected them to be. We, we talked about it on our college basketball podcast with Chad Brendel on Sunday, and you asked us both to scout the other team, right. give our kind of right. opinions of the right. other team. And exactly what I said is, I don't know how they score when Jaron Cumberland isn't scoring. And that played out. They don't have anyone in the post to throw the ball to. Even worse than that, we saw Mick Cronin keep the same exact offense he ran last year when he had Kyle Washington and Gary Clark, which was a lot of throwing the ball into the post, spreading out around those guys and letting them go one-on-one. He continued to run that offense with two guys who don't even look at the basket right, on correct. the offensive end. Correct. Uh, I don't. I don't really understand where they're going from here. But at the same time, I think expectations should have been low for UC this year because of what they lost and what they had. I don't know about back. low, but lower than maybe what what we initially thought. Yeah, well, I mean, they should be what Xavier's were. I thought both programs were in the same spot, which is make the NCAA tournament and it's a good year. Okay. Other than that, the expectation is you're right on the bubble. I think uh, probably on the outside looking in for both teams. And that's the situation I think UC will find themselves in. So to me, I think they're at where they should be. I think you saw Logan Johnson looked really good. He's something to be excited about. And um, aside from that, I mean, Jaron Cumberland was great at the end of the game. So there, there are some reasons to be excited if you're a UC fan going forward. UK would be, if, if, I'm, if I'm a fan right now, 
I'd be most worried if I was UK simply because of the expectations that were coming into this team. People right, thought they were the best team in the country. Yeah, they were they were they were upset that they weren't ranked number one and Kansas was. Right. The people thought they they've got all this depth, it's the most balanced team Kentucky's had. And look, Duke looked incredible. But this Kentucky team was supposed to be a little bit more ahead of the curve from some of other Cal's teams because it's not all one and done guys. It's not all freshmen. There are some guys that were coming back. There are some guys with some experience. There is a there is a graduate transfer who's the a big key to what you're doing. Right. You've got a guy like Reed Travis who was supposed to be sort of the glue that held this together and, and made you look like a more mature team. So, so, you, so watching that game, you came away thinking, oh my, Kentucky might not be very good. Or did you guys? No. I came away with... Boy, they defended terribly. You chose to run with Duke, which probably wasn't the smartest thing in the world. And my God, is Duke good? I came away thinking from from where expectations were before the season. From a fan base is like, I think you have to judge your team on how you do based on expectations, right? No, and that's like, so fair. I yeah, think as a yeah. fan, you can't be mad if your team doesn't perform or doesn't make a run in the tournament when you knew you were in a rebuilding year or you knew you weren't going to be as good as you right. have been. This Kentucky team, though, is expected to be up there with that national championship team with Anthony Davis and Michael Kidd Gilchrist and, and those guys. And, and you can't make, I would say the one thing you can't, you can't make the excuse either of, well, it's a bunch of new parts together. So was Duke. That, and that's <laughs> the thing, Skinny. That's the thing. It's just, it's, it's not that UK is not going to be good because they are. It's not that UK is not going to be talented because they are. And it's not that they can't make a run in the postseason because they can, but we thought they would be farther along at this point, and this UK team looks as unorganized and like they're going to need time to develop as any team we've seen with John Calipari. I think. Yeah, I, is 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 this on on Cal? Is this him? Is is this on him from a recruiting perspective again, where the the pieces just don't fit? Because it felt like the pieces were going to fit better, and yet I look and he's got one point guard who can defend, one who can shoot it a little bit, but he doesn't shoot it consistently, and he can't create. And another point guard who I don't think they know what they've got. I mean, is this is this somewhat on him? I don't think so. I okay. think he's done a much better job, and I do think these pieces fit together. The point guard situation is a little bit concerning just because it doesn't feel like anyone's taking hold right. of that position and being the guy. And we've seen in his offenses, they're best when there's the guy no running question. the show. No doubt. So I, I, I do want to see that. But it, again, I mean, we're making pretty drastic statements right now because this is what we do, and we're on a <laughs> podcast trying to do that. I do want to see a little bit more of this well, UK team before I, I start getting too worried. I obviously. asked you guys on Sunday on the college basketball podcast that actually posted Monday, how much of an overreaction either way would there be to that Kentucky-Duke game? Whether Kentucky won or whether Kentucky lost, and losing by the margin they did is going to lead to way more overreaction. But I get it. I mean, It's not unreasonable to be concerned if you're a UK fan. I mean, fan if you want to look at epic numbers, I think that's the largest margin of defeat ever for a team that was ranked first or second in the country. I guess the best way to sum up my take on this is if you're a UC or Xavier fan, I don't think you have an excuse to be freaking out right now. If you're a UK fan, I can see you freaking out a little bit. Like, it makes sense to me as a UK fan to be a little freaked out by that result. I, I would freak out more if it was a loss to somebody that, that you shouldn't you shouldn't even lose to i sometimes more sometimes margins get away from you right i mean you're you're playing a certain style and you're, you're playing a certain way I mean, xavier villanova every single year is the best example yeah of that. yeah right xavier wins the conference last year and gets boat raced right, twice by villanova right right so i mean i think there's there, there's some of that i i i would be more concerned if you see this through the rest of November and December where they just don't put away teams they should put away and don't handle teams they should handle and maybe play the next good team on the schedule and lose and, and lose in not this kind of fashion, but lose in a fashion where you start to really question. I'm not going to completely over. I just, I, I, 
you guys told me about Zion Williamson. I, I believed you. I, I, I don't believe you. He was better than what you guys even told me he was. It, he, it, it's absurd. And, and absurd that, to watch. And that's the thing. Like He's just so unbelievable And R.J. Barrett's better. But yeah, but, <laughs> but R.J. Barrett is the guy that everyone right? thinks is the number one player in, in next year's draft. So, man, I, I can't ever recall looking at one team and having three guys that are not, not like maybe questionable if they reach potential, but pretty much solidified top five yes. at very minimal top 10 draft picks in next year's draft. Yeah, I and, and the fact that you know they all are alpha males who all need the basketball, and yet they all got theirs and they all shared it, and it was, it, it was honestly, it was it was a fun team to watch. And and I know for a lot of Kentucky fans, you don't want to hear that about Duke, but they were a lot of fun to watch. And, and that's why I said I've been, I'm as excited to watch Zion Williamson as any college athlete I've ever had the chance to to watch and and that's why and the good thing about it you mentioned they're all alpha males they are but Zion is great at doing everything yes. not just being a scorer he doesn't have to have the ball to have his impact felt at all times I was talking I asked a couple of Bengals players if, if they'd watch the game and they did I said could you imagine him as a tight end and they just all went whoo no no thank you not at all Six seven two eighty five can run and jump like that can you imagine what he would do in the NFL I mean, just in the red zone, how do you, oh, you cover him in space you for don't. six or seven yards you with, don't. The, with the catch radius he would I, have? I mean, even if you put your biggest corner safety on him, that corner's only 6'2", 6'3", at most. And a linebacker and gonna, has no, no chance. chance. Right. And then he's going to go up over you with the 45-inch vertical. Uh, he it really he's, he's special to watch. He really and truly it's is. It's dumb. I, ju- I just hope to God he stays healthy because of that size moving the way it does just does not look natural it, it doesn't well it no it looks natural it just shouldn't be natural that's the You're key right. all right uh the Bengals in an injury plague season somehow suffer an injury during the bye week well they didn't really suffer the injury during the bye week aj green found out during the bye week uh that he has an injury to his toe he's had this injury before he was in a walking boot after the tampa bay game um said it was just precautionary uh then they were going to look to make sure he didn't need surgery he doesn't um but the latest is he's obviously week to week he's not going to play against the saints he's Probably not going to play against the Ravens. We don't know beyond that. Question then is, if A.J. Green misses more than maybe the next two games at most, uh, what are the Bengals' chances for the rest of the year? Uh, the season's over. Uh, to, and to me, like we talked about it on the last podcast, you think this team has to go 5-3 and three in the second half. Basically repeat what they did in the first half. I think 4-4 four and four might get you there. I really do. I think 4-4 four and four might get you there only because you hold that tiebreaker with Miami. Miami would have to go ten and six, and I don't see that happening. A fair point, but even even after that, but even four and four is an ask, a tough ask. Right, exactly, and especially with the Saints being one of the home games they have to play, because you feel good about this team at home. But playing the Saints, regardless of whether AJ Green's there or not, you don't feel good about that. And the fact that AJ is not going to be there, you definitely don't feel good about it. So you get past, and if he if he doesn't play in the next one, that's understandable and probably expected. If he doesn't play that next week when they return home, all of a sudden I think you're in trouble because you don't get if you don't so. Her hold serve at home the rest of the way. This team's not making the playoffs. Yeah, I mean the other three home games the rest of the way are are, are all three winnable, very winnable games. Cleveland, Denver, uh, Oakland. So those are all three winnable games. I think you can win without AJ Green. I really believe you can do that. I I I think the other thing is I, I'm I'm going to play the wait and see. I want to see now without AJ Green on the field with John Ross back healthy with John Ross now needing targets. They have to throw the ball his way. He has to find a way to get open. They have to find a way to get the ball in his hands. Can they do that? And if they do that and he starts to show something, then I think you can survive a couple of weeks without A.J. Green. I wouldn't want to survive a tough stretch of games without A.J. Green. But if John Ross shows me something, if they find a way to 
um, to g- incorporate Joe Mixon maybe more in the passing game and certainly give him more touches than the 11 or 12 or 13 carries he's gotten the last uh, the last few games, then I, I, I think that you can survive this for a small period of time. I don't think you go beat the Chargers on the road without him. You don't go beat Pittsburgh on the road without him. But I think you can survive A.J. Green's injury. Um, and again, if, if you can show me this week, you can find ways to get John Ross involved in this offense. You were the same guy on this podcast who told me you thought that the Bengals at the tra- trade deadline should be looking for another playmaker right. on right. And, and, I, and I still believe that. And now you think they can survive without the one guy who makes defenses change for him? Yeah, the only thing is... I. I when I say survive, I'm looking at those home. I'm looking at Cleveland and and the and Denver and and Oakland teams that you just they're just not very good. I mean, I guess the big thing is it is Cleveland. Like I, you, the most likely game right. if you miss that third one is Cleveland. Right. Right. I don't. I'm not so sure if Baker Mayfield can't make some hay against this Bengals defense. Maybe. But I do agree that that's a game you expect to win when you're at home, regardless of who's on the field for you. And to back you up, I think the Bengals with AJ Green being out of the lineup and he's missed a handful of games over the years. I think they are three, five, and one. I believe. Yeah, I mean we've seen this in the past. Yeah. He changes things so much and puts takes so much pressure off of other guys no just because and he's, makes play. And when things are going haywire, it's funny. We'll sit in the press box and things start going haywire. And you're like, haven't thrown to eighteen in a while. Like it's almost like on cue, bingo. You, you just got to you find him, and it feels like everything's all right with the world. The offense is back on track, and here you go. There's no doubt. I mean, he's a superstar for a reason. And yeah, when you lose a superstar, it hurts. But I'm I'm gonna just, I'm gonna give a little wait and see to see what what can John Ross do. You drafted him in the first round for a reason. It's time for him to start showing up in some way, shape, or form. But even if John Ross reaches the potential that he has right now, to me, his upside at the very most is a complimentary piece taking the top off the defense when you have a guy like an A.J. Green distracting the defense. I don't think I, he's I think, a guy that can I, be a feature I weapon. I think based on what, what you've seen to this point, that's absolutely correct. But you didn't draft him ninth overall to just do that. And I have no idea. And I'll tell you this, I have no idea why they drafted him ninth that's overall a fair, at this point. That's a fair assessment as well. Skinny, former Cowboys star Des Bryant has signed with the Saints, finally ending a, a season-long saga, it's felt like. The Bengals will get to see him with his new team before anyone else when New Orleans comes to PBS on Sunday. Should the Bengals have signed Des Bryant? No. No. I, I know. Now, hold on. You were the guy claiming they need another playmaker. And, and Why not Des Bryant? I, I don't know if he's the playmaker because I, I saw this story before. I saw this story before back in, what was it, 2008, I guess? 2000, T.O. I saw it. I, I saw this. I saw... And he was at, he was at a further end of his career than where Des Bryant is. He was thirty six or thirty seven year old T.O. who was still a freak though physically and still actually put up some pretty good numbers while injured. Yeah. yeah, but I also saw the circus the circus that ensued. You you don't need that right now. You don't you you maybe needed somebody else. You maybe needed to, to make a run for Deshaun Jackson. We talked about that. Somebody along those lines. That that I will give you. Not Des Bryant. There's a reason Des Bryant was on the street for eight or nine weeks for teams that needed it. I mean, honestly. The Patriots usually do things like this. Houston obviously made a trade for Demarius Thomas, who's a little longer in the tooth probably than Des Bryant, and didn't cho- chose not to sign Des Bryant. I mean, right out from under the, the you know, in, in that area. Um, no, I don't think they should have signed Des Bryant. And then you're going to argue, well, what about the Saints? I think the Saints looked around and decided we, we, we can handle this situation. Drew Brees can handle this situation. Drew's not going to listen to Des Bryant tell me, get me the ball. Drew's going to tell him, shut up. I'm the all-time leading passer in NFL history. I'm going to throw to the open target and just shut up and do your job. They did need another guy, the Saints did. After you go from Michael Thomas, their next best wide receiver. This is stunning to me. I saw this the other day. Next best wide receiver has caught 12 passes. 
Kamara's obviously a weapon. They throw to tight ends. Right. But their second wide receiver only has 12 receptions. That's crazy. I think they're the ones that thought we could, we were going to kick the tires on this. We're going to do our due diligence on this, and we think we can handle the situation. We think this guy puts us over the top. And yeah, I know Bengals fans can say, well, why couldn't we do it? I just, I, I, I just wouldn't have done it. And like I said, I, 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 I think they did the right thing. I, just, I wish they would have been more proactive at the trade deadline, but Des Bryant wasn't the answer. Do you think Des Bryant wouldn't work out with the Bengals because he's not, he's not talented enough anymore to give them what they needed or because strictly from a sideshow perspective? Strictly from a sideshow perspective. And, and, and I, just, I think they, if they hadn't gone through the whole T.O. experience with this, maybe they would have taken a shot. But once you went through the whole T.O. thing, and, and it was it was a two-ring circus, it was T.O. and Chad um, at, at the same time, which I, you know, Carson obviously decided I've had enough of this sideshow. Yeah. Um, I still think Carson had a, had a bigger hand in that than anyone likes to let on. Maybe. As we saw maybe. the way he left yeah, town. Yeah, maybe. Um, but I, I think, I think they, they, they went this route one time before, and it was such a disaster. You're in the playoff hunt right now. You don't need something to, to completely flip things around. I, no, no thank you, Des. I don't think your take is a bad one or it's totally off base. Here's my only issue with it. I have a problem when the Bengals are going to start being the moral police or deciding we're not taking a guy because of how he is in the locker room or whatever. But they weren't the only ones now. Again, no, he was on the okay. street for nine weeks for a reason. But let me, but let me finish okay. this. Why it bothers me is because you're being totally subjective with when you do that. When Pac-Man Jones has transgression after transgression, when Vontez Perfect is being Vontez Perfect, you have no problem having these idiots in your locker room constantly. It's constantly been a thing throughout Marvin's tenure, definitely throughout Mike Brown's tenure as as the owner. Skinny, to, to now decide like, oh, but this guy that might be able to help us when we're in a playoff race isn't the guy to be in our locker room? That's not the time to decide it to me. If you're going to take that stance, take it when Vontez Perfect is screwing you all off every year, year after year. He keeps doing the same things, and you keep taking him back and saying, it's okay, it's okay. But then when it's a guy that can actually help you and maybe change where you're at while you're in a playoff race, oh, no, we're worried about the locker room? Adam Jones, could, Adam Jones could have still helped this football team, and they knew it. They knew Adam Jones could help this football team this year. But guess what they decided to do? Bye-bye. Um, but after how Hang many on. times? Well, okay. But I think this was the year that they, I think that they, they, they draw lines. I think this was a, a, a year. Vontez was still under contract. But when Vontez came back, didn't play very well, suffered the hip injury, it's almost like he, he's not out of sight because I saw him yesterday in the locker room. But it's almost like they put him out of mind. Marvin in Marvin Lewis in his press conference, what was it, la- a week ago or so, talked about talking about Vontez is not relevant. That was striking to me. It's almost like He's telling Vontez, until you can come back and play at a high level, just don't even bother with it. Don't even, I'm, I'm not even going to mess with you. And it doesn't even like they're even concerned with getting him back. I think they've had enough of it. And it was because Vontez was under contract, maybe they thought that, look, the PED thing, that's not, that, that's, that's stupid, but it's not some of the other stuff that he's done. Maybe he comes back and, and finally turn. I think they finally said, that's it. We got rid of one. We got rid of another. We're not bringing another one of these guys in. We're just not going to do it. I've got to ask you, how many glasses of the Bengals Kool-Aid are you drinking at lunch over there when you're working at Paul Brown Stadium? I can't believe you are buying that, that Mike Brown and Marvin Lewis have changed their tune now, 14 years into this. I, th- I, th- I think they have to some degree. I really believe it. Because I, I tell you, Adam Jones could help this football team. He could help them. You went into this year with three cornerbacks who could play at an NFL level. Only three. Everybody else was either a rookie or a guy that hasn't played very much. And tr- frankly, they haven't shown very much. He would have been a fourth corner. If, he, if, if, they thought he, if they thought he could help, they would have they 
they would have probably tried to keep him, but they uh, they didn't. Or, I mean, if he wasn't a distraction, they would have kept him. They think he's a distraction. They think that I think Vontez is a distraction, and they've had enough of it. I don't know, man. I I tend to think it was a lot more about the fact that they thought. He's worn out his welcome, talking about Pac-Man. He's yes. finally worn out his welcome, yep. and now he's to the point where he's old enough he's probably not going to be at the top because he had some struggles last still, year. He did, but he still would have been he still would have helped the fourth them, corner. But, but I just, I'm not buying it that they've changed their ways. I'll believe it when I see it, and if they are, great. I hope they start, you know, they go forward and they start making better decisions. But for them to make that decision now when they had a guy that could have so, helped them. So I, I get, you think they should have signed Des Bryant? I don't. I don't know if they should have signed it or not. I'd like the football guys to make that decision. My only issue with it is you shouldn't have not signed him because you were worried about a distraction or a bad guy in the locker room when you've got a lot. You've had a locker room full of bad guys. Well, at, for years. And the other part to this too is, and, and from from a football perspective, is if they have a real belief that AJ Green's only going to miss a couple of games, and and you got John Ross back, where does Des Bryant fit? In all honesty, where does he fit? Tyler Boyd's been good. AJ Green's good. You're, you're going to play John Ross if he's healthy. So where does Des Bryant fit? So then Des Bryant's your fourth receiver. That's not going to sit well. I mean, I guess I don't know. I I don't know why you can't rotate guys in. It doesn't. It doesn't seem that hard. Like we've seen four receivers play on a team before. We've seen talented teams work multiple guys in. Des Bryant is later in his career. I know he was. Lo- now I'll be honest. I don't know that Des Bryant was interested in the Bengals because he yeah, turned, right. he turned down some offers yeah. because he wanted to go to a winning situation and he found a great one for himself. It's probably the best possible situation he could have imagined. You've got a Hall oh, of Fame no quarterback question. and they need you desperately. Correct. And Michael Thomas draws coverage on the other side. Alvin Kamara draws coverage coming out of the backfield. No question about it. Rick, the Reds hired hitting coach Turner Ward away from the Dodgers. It's the second coach they've hired away from a playoff team last year. Derek Johnson, the pitching coach of the Brewers, is here. What's that tell you? Well, it's it's good from an optics perspective. You wanted to see them. Everyone wants them wants to see them be aggressive. And we're at a point where it's the offseason. It's it's not like they can they can do anything right now with players. They can't change their team right now. They can't go out and draft someone and getting get better. Close to being able to they do that though, right? We're getting to that point. But like right now, for what they can be doing, this is it, right? You can only be adding guys to your staff in terms of you want to show your, your fans you're trying to improve, you're taking next year seriously, you're not just stuck in this never-ending rebuilding process. This is a good way to do that. My only issue with it is, we've talked before, I don't know how much coaching matters in baseball, period. I certainly don't think your manager matters. Hitting coach, I really don't know about. Pitching coach, I'm a little more interested in because I do think pitching's one so important, and I do think there are... So many different feel things yes. and, and, and other things that sort of like can be just little tips and tricks passed along. I think along. pitching coaches matter more than any. I do too. And it's because there, I think there's so many small things that can really change you as a pitcher. Like you can have all the ta- arm talent in the world and, and be able to throw the ball hard enough and get your pitches to move enough. But it can be a simple mental switch that you change in your approach or whatever or the way you look at video that can make you a different pitcher and we've seen it so many times yeah, guys go from like no Cy young winners to just totally worthless yep. when they when they change their situations so i am a little bit intrigued by hiring a pitching coach and it's also cool that they're hiring guys away from winning teams yeah which means they want to come here apparently the dodgers made a pretty good offer back to turn award to keep him and he decided to come here um, and some of it was he said he wanted to get closer to family, and there's some things along those those lines. And uh, maybe he thought new situation for David Bell, and maybe Dave Roberts this next year on the hot seat. And if they don't if they don't win it all next year because they've now gone twice to the World Series, that maybe Dave Roberts is gone, and the whole staff is gone. So you're looking for a situation of all right, 
got a new manager, new situation. They're on the bottom. They can only go one way up. They're going to at least take a couple of years. So I've got a little more security. So maybe there's some of those things. I, I, I do think that it, it, it shows that they're trying to take a step in the right direction. They're trying to push things forward. I just I can't get behind any of it until I see what you do from a pitching staff perspective, and I don't think fans should either. I think that you can say, look, hey, you went out and hired what might be the best pitching coach that, that you could get on the market, and you got the guy from the Dodgers whose philosophy is work counts, swing for the fences in a ballpark that if you can work counts and swing for the fences in a lineup, that if you got guys who can work the count and swing for the fences, it is a, probably a good philosophy. So it seems like it it, it mixes, but I ain't buying in, man, at all until you can show me you're going to go get some pitching, and I just don't know how the hell that's going to happen. And Because it just doesn't matter. If you do not have the arms in baseball, it does not matter who's coaching your team. Right. You're not running a system, right? Like It's not football yes. or, base yes. or basketball where you can have this system that makes your team better. There's no system in baseball. Like we said, well, there's a few things you can pass along. Unless you're going to go to this new, from a pitching perspective, the new, I'm going to go with a two-inning guy and a three-inning guy and a one-inning guy and whatever. I, that may be the new, the new system, but you're right. For the most part, there hasn't been a system. There's been every fifth day, Fred gets the ball. Every fifth day, Jim gets the ball. Every fifth day, Johnny gets the ball. Here's my long guy, my short guy, my lefty guy, my righty guy, my closer. Um, yeah, there doesn't seem to be that. Maybe Derek Johnson has a system. Maybe there is some of that, but yeah, you're right. Unless you got the, the, the players, it, it's not going to make any difference. I think maybe the biggest positive that can be taken away is at least people respect David Bell. Right, right. And I think there's something to be said for that, too. Skinny, sticking with the Reds, they are going to be wearing numerous throwback uniforms in 2019 to celebrate their 150th anniversary. They also had a, a new logo made up for that 150th anniversary. Is this putting lipstick on a pig? Is it trying to distract fans? Or is this, is this legitimately a cool thing? I think it's both. I think I do think it's both. I think it is legitimately a cool thing. I think I, anything you can do to celebrate your history in sports, I think it's cool. I mean, let, let's face it. We we knocked the Bengals and rightfully so for what? There's they there's really no there's no history. honoring the history in yeah. in that stadium. There's no ring of honor. There's no. They've tried a little bit. They did the they brought the '88 Super Bowl team back at halftime of of the Thursday night game. And quite frankly, the only problem is halftime is so short in the NFL that you didn't really get to celebrate. And they just announced a bunch of old dudes' names who walked out there and a little bit of an applause. It wasn't much. Yeah. It was at least something. Um, you know, last year they tried to do a few things for the 50th anniversary with rolling out you know the top 50 players. I thought that was that was kind of cool. But really, they don't do anything. To, and we knocked them for that, and rightfully so. I think the Reds, they try to do some things along this regard. I think this is kind of a, a cool thing. I do think that maybe they ought to bring back the 1982 throwback uniforms because that was the team that lost 101 games, and they're closer to that team than they are any of the other teams they're going to wear Come uniforms on. of. I, I do. I mean, bring back, bring back the 82 uniforms. <laughs> hey, that's the 100 lost uniforms. Yeah, they I know those. Yeah, yeah, yes. But I also think it is. It, it's it, You know, the old, the, there's a great saying around the Reds, and it seems like every time things are going bad, which they've been for a while, they find a way, some incarnation to bring back something pertaining to the big red machine, the old when in doubt, wheel them out. I mean, that's 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 kind of what this feels like, too. But that's why I think I think I think it's a little bit of both. I think it's really cool because it is an anniversary. It's not like they're doing this on the 143rd anniversary, right? This is a nice milestone. 150 years is a nice milestone. I think they're celebrating their history in that regard. I, I'm fine with that. But if you think this is what's going to bring fans to the ballpark because one night they're wearing the 1939 uniforms, that's not going to happen. Bingo. That And that's exactly where I was going with this. It's it's cool. It's fine. Heck, I actually like the uniforms. I love throwback uniforms. I do too, so I'm a uniform nerd. Yep. I like seeing that type of stuff. So it's cool. 
The great thing about it, though, is it won't work. Like, no one's coming to the ballpark because you brought out throwback uniforms. You are going to have to put a good winning product back on that field before anyone's going to care about this it's, franchise. It's the same people of, hire Barry Larkin as a manager. He'll get fans out to the ball. No, no he won't. Are you going to sit in Section 502? Hey, look. Look, it's Barry's in the dugout. Look. This is where we know. You're going to bring your binoculars out? Exactly. No, that's not, that's not going to do it. But, yeah, it's cool, right? It's cool. Sarah, look. He's picking his butt again. Hey, it's Barry Larkin. Look at that guy. Wow. I'll come, you know what? Let's come for the whole series and we'll just look at Barry the whole... No, you're no. Please stop that nonsense. Go to the game, sitting there looking through your binoculars, do a little bean pull for how many pieces of bubble gum he's going to chew today. I mean, like, honestly, what is a manager going to do to get you to come out to the ballpark? Nothing. What are uniforms going to do to get you? Right, so I will say, the, the marketing people have a job. This is them doing their job and they're doing it exactly. well. And it has nothing to do with the baseball people trying to put a winning product on the field. I can separate the two. I can They too. should be separated. I have no issue with the Reds doing this the great thing about it is it's not going to work so if you're a fan who's worried about this and thinking quit doing this quit doing giveaways quit doing bob ross night at the ballpark just put a winner out there they're two separate things yes you can do both and this isn't keeping them from doing the other the great thing is them doing this isn't going to help fans buy into them they're losing product on the yeah. field go get you a couple starting pitchers that'll do it Skinny, it is that time once again to take a look at our college football lines. Uh, it, it's it's been an interesting college football season. It continues to get more interesting. I had a great week two weeks ago. I was dreadful last week. Dreadful. Yeah, yeah you you had a, a, a struggle. I think I was over. Yeah, and I I followed you on a couple of those, but fortunately, uh, I didn't go with your UK Wildcats. Yeah, well, that was smart on your part. And let's start with those guys because they've got another interesting game this week. They're at Tennessee, a place that's given them a lot of trouble over the years. They are six-point favorites, though, this time, which you don't very often see that. I'm not sure how many times they've been favored at Tennessee over the Ever? last 30 years. <laughs> it's been a long, long time. I was there in Neyland Stadium as a student the last time Kentucky beat Tennessee. 1984 is the last time they won there. That's like the freezer bowl for uh, UK football fans. It Everyone is. says they have a ticket to that game. Uh, no, I was there, baby. All 26 of UK I was there at the top fans. of Neyland Stadium when Neyland Stadium was rocking. I've never been in a stadium that actually moved. This was swaying at the top. It was a little bit scary. Tony Robinson was the quarterback. Go look it up for Tennessee. Bill Ranzo was quarterback in Kentucky. Jeff Pecoro was a member of that Kentucky football team in 1984 that went to Tennessee and won. Wow, I didn't know I was going to do this show with Chick Ludwig today. I just thought I'd throw all that stuff out at you. The over-under in that game is 42 and a half. What you got on it? I'm definitely going under. Um, I, I Watching the game, I was in the stands for the, for the Kentucky-Georgia game. I, was, I came away really impressed with Georgia's offensive line. They, they manhandled Kentucky. I don't think anybody other than, than, than Georgia and Alabama would manhandle Kentucky's defense. I just don't. I think Kentucky's defense has proven it too much this year, too many times this year, and Tennessee's not a, a great team. The six-point number worries me. It feels like 17-13, to 20-17. I think Kentucky wins. I do think there's a little bit of a hangover from Georgia. I did think Kentucky's offense did some good things in the Georgia game. I thought Terry Wilson actually threw the ball pretty accurately, pretty well. I'd like to see them do a little more of that. I'd like to see him be able to evolve a little bit. So I'll go Kentucky in a tight one. But I could honestly see them losing just because of the hangover from Georgia and all the things that that game meant for the program and this team. Yeah, Tennessee stinks. Kentucky should win this game. They should cover. If they don't, oh, man, are the Kentucky fans going to be disappointed? No doubt. Oh, man, deservedly so. I, I get the Boo Birds will come down, and, and I don't blame them at all. I'm going under, and I'm taking Kentucky to cover. Okay. Skinny South Florida at Cincinnati. This game, uh, the Bearcats are favored by 13 and a half. Over under for it is 56 and a half. 
I'm going to go UC. I, 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 the, the Navy game just impressed me on so many levels. Um, look, Navy's not very good. This is Navy's been a good program um, over you know over the last decade plus. This is a bad Navy team, but this was also a Navy team that hung 22 on Notre Dame. It's a Navy team that still was averaging about 300 yards per game rushing, and UC just shoved it up their ass. They really did. I mean. Um, the defensive front was outstanding. That's the biggest thing. The way I, yeah. the bounce back from yes. last year to yes. this year against that offense, yes. which can be tricky. One eighty for, for really good defenses that can be tricky. They at put first. up what five fifty on the ground last year on this on this UC defense. That that's the thing that impressed me. South Florida is not playing very well right now. They lost at Houston by uh, three touchdowns. Houston's pretty good. So the, the fact that Houston won wasn't surprising. But last week they got blown out by Tulane. It's going to be cold. South Florida is not going to like the cold. I, I'm going to go UC, UC, I'm going to go 41-14. What was the total? 50, 56? Yes, 56 and a half. Oh man, I'm going 41-14 UC, so I'll barely take the under, but I think UC wins handily. And they set up a big time showdown with UCF. I think so, too. I, th- I think Cincinnati, especially being at home, makes this game a blowout. I think they easily cover, and I think Cincinnati gets close to possibly hitting the over by themselves. Maybe. I think and they're that, up in the a, 40s easily by South themselves. South Florida defensively is awful. Just yeah. awful. The other game we've got, Ohio State at Michigan State, number 18 in the country. Skinny, Ohio State is favored by three and a half. The over-under for that game, 52. Where you come out on that one? Um, I'm having a hard time believing in Ohio State. Uh, you know, I, I thought they'd come out of that by, I think I went 0-6 last week. I really do. Um, I, I thought they'd come out of that by and just obliterate Nebraska. I thought they'd fix some of the things on defense. I'm at the point now in the year where that was kind of the last line of demarcation for me with this Ohio State defense. All right, what can you do to the bye to fix, get things right? Offensively, they, they, they did fix some things. They were able to run the ball a little bit. They're always going to be able to throw it. They're still a dynamic offense. But this defense just keeps, keeps making me question how good this team is. I hate to do it, but I'm going to go Michigan State. I'm going to go 34-31 Michigan State. Wow. I, I think Ohio, and I don't think Michigan State's all that good, and their offense isn't even all that good. I, I'm with you. I don't think Ohio State's going to impress us, but you're playing number 18 in the country. It's not really a game you got to impress anyone. You just got to come away with a sure, win. Right. Absolutely. I think they're able to pull that off. I think it's a close game, um, but I'll say they cover. I think they win by about six or so on a late touchdown. I think their offense will be just too much for Michigan State. In terms of the over-under, I'm going to go over. I, I just, it's so hard for me to ever go under, right. no matter what the number is. Because you know Ohio State, State team, they're, they're going to score. They're scoring something. And, and the defense is, is going to give up scores. And if you pick them to win, it has to be a high-scoring game point. almost. I mean, they're not going to win a low-scoring game for the most part. So I'm, I'm, I'm going that way. New Orleans Saints at Cincinnati Bengals. The Saints favored by five. Over-under on that game is 54, Skinny. I'm going over for sure. Um I think the Bengals cover the number but don't win. I'm going to go 30-27 Saints. I can't give I I said this on a on a radio show that I can't give any tangible reason why the Bengals hang around because the matchup of Alvin Kamara is just a nightmare. I mean, I, maybe they play three safeties and one of the instead of playing two linebackers and one of the safeties has Kamara and they take him away and um the the only thing I can do is give you intangibles and that's usually not a good thing to hang your hat on, right? The intangibles of coming off playing at Minnesota a tough game on a Sunday night. Coming off playing at the time, many thought was the best team in the NFL, the Rams, and now you maybe prove that you're the best team in the NFL. Going on the road in some crappy weather 
Um, it's not going to be a very nice day on Sunday. I don't think at least it's going to be cold. I don't know about the, the the rain part of it. It's going to be cold. I think the intangible factors help the Bengals a lot. Um, that's the only reason I think they hang around. Plus, New Orleans defense gives up points. They give up yards. They 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 do some good things. Definitely. Um, but I think they're giving up twenty seven a game, something along those lines. That's still a lot. So I think, and I think the Bengals, yeah, they're missing AJ Green. I do think though they'll 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 be able to run the ball a little bit. I think they'll be able to move the ball. Um, so I I think they and the fact that it is at home, uh, but New Orleans is the better team. It's hard for me to pick the Bengals here, but I do think they cover thirty twenty seven New Orleans. Yeah, I disagree. I've got New Orleans covering, and I'm going with the under. When it looks too easy, don't go. Don't go with the easy. See, that's what Vegas wants you to do. They I, want you to go. They want you to go easy. I, but yeah, but the Bengals have the hang Bengals on, have hang been on, hanging. Hang on, hang on. I got my fishing hook games. out there. I just hooked you. They just hooked you. I, I'm reeling you. I'm reeling there because everybody says, "Wait a minute, New Orleans is by less than a touchdown." Are you serious? See, I didn't. I didn't think that. I, I looked at it as five is a big number because the Bengals are it at home and they've played everyone close. And like they're the, a good home underdog. I think they're six and two in the last eight times they've been they've been underdogs at home. Yeah, I thought the number was a, a little bit bigger than I would have liked. I would have preferred it at like two and a half. Okay. Um, it was a little bigger than I would have liked. I'm still going Saints. I think the Bengals are hitting a little bit of a rut here, and without AJ Green, I think they might be in trouble. I don't think they're going to score like they've been scoring either. So I'm going under. All right, fair enough. All right, some national topics: the NBA's second annual All Star Draft is going to be televised. The league and its Players Association agreed to broadcast the selections on TNT sometime probably in late January. That's according to the New York Times. Do you like this idea, or is this just complete hokiness? I love it. I absolutely love it, and here's why. It would be silly, it would be dumb if baseball did this, or if hockey did this, or even if the corporate NFL did this. Well, they did do this at one point. Remember, you had Team Irvin and Team whatever? I Yeah. And it was silly. It was silly. NBA is a different ball game the way it's evolved the last two, three years, the way they have owned social media and basically just said, we're going to embrace that our players are going to be one young because they're doing the one and done. A lot of one yep. and done guys are a lot of your stars. Yeah, I mean, you got, you got guys that have been in the league five years or 24 years old. Right. And, and also, guys can be stars first, second year. It's not the NFL where right. you can have that three-year right. thing a lot of right. times or whatever. Yep. Guys are instant stars in the NBA. People care about them. They're very visible. They're very petty. Because they're young and immature, no so there's question. a lot of drama that we've seen out play out publicly in the NBA the last few seasons. I think that makes this great. I think there is, we saw last year with the way teams are picked, there clearly seemed to be some pettiness with the way those teams were put together and certain things that the captains wanted to see happen, so they went ahead and did it. We're going to see that now play out in person. The best part is, though, we're going to get facial reactions when certain picks are made, I think that's going to be interesting to watch. I'm going to say a couple words to you. Get off my lawn. Give me East versus West. Just let's go back to the day where it was the East All-Stars versus the West All-Stars. Fans voted in the starters. The coaches picked the rest of the reserves, and we're done with it. That's the best way to do it. So Turner Broadcasting is not going to get your viewership on this one? Uh, no. Thank you, but no thank you. I know it will for you because you, you like that crap. You like the juvenile nonsense. I love it. Get off my lawn, Broaring. The storyline, this is all entertainment. It's nothing. Sports are nothing. Nothing more than a soap opera for men. And the NBA does the best job of creating the storylines. It's why WWF and WWE has been good for years. It's why it's still around making a lot of money. 
It's why the NBA is on the rise. I would tell you this. The, the, thing that, the only thing that would intrigue me here is if you did do this. If you brought the guys in that were on the all-star team and you lined them up like against the wall and one guy would go, all right, I picked So you get Kyrie. to see the last guy standing yeah, exactly, there. Exactly. Exactly. Because I hate when I, when I do that in practice occasionally, I'll have, I'll have guys pick guys and I always go, ah, I shouldn't have done that. That's that because the last guy is going to feel like crap. It, it's, it's, I just don't, I don't like it. But I, I may go for that. If you did that, if you gave me that reaction of last guy on the wall going, I'm on Fred's team, or or eh, we'll take Johnny. Oh, okay, I, I'm okay. That, that part I may I may go with. Yeah, see, I, I think there's all types of ways you can go with this. I think it's only going to get better. I'm glad they're doing it. Skinny, the Washington Nationals offered a contract to All Star outfielder Bryce Harper that he rejected five weeks ago. We just found out though that it was worth ten years, three hundred million dollars. At what dollar amount? Does it become insulting to turn down a contract at three hundred million dollars? I mean, <laughs> that's, maybe, the one. Maybe, <laughs> that's the one. Maybe even less. Maybe even less than that. I mean, look, we just had a great run up in this country to a couple of giant lotteries, right? And and the excitement over that, and when you thought about the number of what you could win, it's a lottery ticket, man. You're you're looking at people across this country going, "Yeah, I'm turning down a lottery ticket." How and much- look, I know your market value is your market. I do. I fully understand that. Look, you're worth whatever somebody's willing to pay you. Correct. That's that's your worth. But to me, that what, when do we get to the point where baseball teams look around and go, he's not I, – I, what, what is one player going to do for you? What is the one guy going to do? And the handful of teams that can sign guys like this, I, I think you've reached that stage. You even see it with – when you look at the, the stat called war, which is wins above replacement, and you look at different – honestly, there's not a lot separating guys a lot of times. And so why am I going to overpay for that when he's going to give me maybe a half a victory more? I'll sign – Four guys for less, and we'll figure it out. Figure out a way. I mean, obviously, the Oakland Athletics have done just a brilliant job of 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 deducing how to get players for for value. This is nothing more than just saying, "Listen, we're just going to throw money at you because it's what we do." Uh, it's it's insulting to turn it down. It's insulting to offer, to be quite frank. Very few guys are anywhere near worth that money. I totally agree. Bryce Harper is a little bit different because he's one of the few superstars in the game that people do care about. They do we watch. notice he brings in marketing. Like he makes you a different organization when you bring him in. So I think there is some value in having a guy that's that visible on your baseball team. The problem is, like you said, there's only a few big markets right, that, that so, matter. So, so let's say the, let's say the Cubs sign him. Do the Cubs really need him to market the Cubs brand and to bring fans to Wrigley? No, but but I but I get that there's huge value in having a. He's really good too. Like let's not let's not the three hundred million dollars good. No, but I mean the amount of million dollars a year good. But like the amount of jerseys you're going to sell to Cubs fans if you have a Bryce Harper type guy. Like there is some dollars you're going to get back on the back end of that. I don't know how all the math of it works out, but I understand that Bryce Harper brings a little more value than your you know whoever the other guy is that probably has the same war as he does on another team right, right. like cuz there's probably got a guy out there that's as good as him if you look at advanced right, metrics right. that just doesn't hold the same value and that's the reason but the problem with it is especially with baseball players i mean they fall off after a certain age a lot of them you can get hurt and you can't get any of that yeah, money t- back t- after t- that point t- 10 years you you probably got in, in a 10 year deal you've at least got 3 years of sunk costs and maybe more than that i mean you're handicapping yourself for years to come with your salary. And my biggest concern with this would be from everything we hear, the next round of TV contracts is going to be, are way going less. To be much less yes. than what the teams have been getting, meaning the payroll is likely going to decrease, meaning that $300 million contract is going to be taking up a lot of your payroll. I just, I don't see offering 
anyone this type of money. But how much does Bryce Harper have to hate being in Washington no to be willing doubt. to turn down $300 million? No question. If a franchise says, you mean so much to us, we'll give you $300 million. we don't care that we can't afford this, and you say no? Man. He wants out badly. That's brutal. Well, you know what? I think if I was stuck in Washington, I'd probably want him to be out too. I, I, may, I may give him that part of it. All right, New York Mets general manager, and he's he's the he's the this is the new name and the new story storyline. Brady von Wagaman. I hope I pronounced your name correctly. Close Brady. enough, Brady. Close, close enough for Brady. Um, was was hired by the New York Mets. He's the a best part of this is his name's Brody. 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 <laughs> we're, Brody. We're, we're all Brody. over this guy's Brody, name. Brady. Um, he was a former agent. Actually, former agent uh, Tim Tebow was a client of his. Tebow hit what two seventy something in the minors with a handful of homers. I, th- does this mean Brady's going to bring Tim Tebow up? What does this mean that the Mets have tapped into a guy who was a former agent to be their general manager? Are they a laughing stock or not? Well, of course the Mets are a laughing stock. I'm more interested from your perspective, Skinny Tebow mania. Are you all in on this again? Because I remember at one point we were doing a radio show. You were doing a radio show, I should say, that I filled in on occasionally, where you were all over the Bengals. Bringing one Timothy Tebow to be the backup quarterback. To be the backup quarterback. I still would have done it. You wanted a sequin, a Tebow jacket. You were all in on the Tebow mania. Years later now, are you still riding the Tebow train? If Tebow makes the majors, will this be a thing? He won't make the majors. He's not good enough. He's not even close to being good enough. He was still good enough to be an NFL quarterback as a backup, especially based on what you start to look around the league today. Tim Tebow could play in the league as a backup quarterback. I would be more than fine with that. I still disagree with but that. But no, he's he's a TV guy now. He's actually pretty good. I, I think he does a nice job on SEC Network. You know, I, no, I know this is the silliest thing ever. He, he can't play Major League Baseball. He can barely hit in double A for God. God's sake, no pun intended, Tim, sorry. But if he does, if he starts the year on their roster oh, and they give sake. him a seventh inning pinch hit at bat, you're not going to tune in to watch that? Oh, no question I will. Hey. And then he's going to probably hit a home run. and then It's going to be Tebow mania all over, Skinny. I don't like it. It'll be I'm like, not a fan no, of Tebow. A, it'll be like the natural, right? He'll all of a sudden he'll have the Wonder Boy bat because God struck a tree by his house because that's what God will do with lightning. He'll go out. He'll 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 build the bat himself. He'll have the Wonder Boy bat. It'll be all. It'll be it'll be the natural all over again. I'm here for it. I don't like him. I don't like the Tebow mania. Well, I don't dislike him. But I mean, it's, yeah. it's, we're so far past all that now. I'm ready to see it come back the up. The sequel? I'm ready to see it come back up and get everyone all worked up about Tim Tebow Tim, again. Tim, Tim Tebow, the sequel. And then maybe he can become the quarterback of the Jets, too. Oh, no, the Giants. The Giants need a quarterback. So he's in New York already. He can go quarterback the Giants on Perfect. top of Perfect. Be on Deion Sanders. Exactly. Exactly. And Skinny, finally, we like to finish this one sometimes with a little bit off topic. Although this one is sports-related this time. A man burned down his brother-in-law's house over their soccer rivalry. This is in Argentina. Skinny, the way it went is, guy gets told that his house is burning down. He comes home to find it, and people, so the authorities are like, hey, you know anyone that would want to burn your house down? He oh, goes, yes, I do. Well, you know. I did just get in an argument with my brother-in-law, Arturo, about our uh, favorite soccer teams, and he disagreed with me. So sure enough, his brother-in-law just burnt down his house. The guy's still on the lam. Authorities are confident, though, that he's going to be brought in very soon. So they think they've got a lead. They're going to find the guy who burnt down his brother-in-law's house over sports. Skinny, is there, like, what's, what, what fan base is most likely to have someone do this in oh, America? Oh, Auburn, Alabama. I mean, there's no question. Auburn versus Alabama. Paul. 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 Roll damn tide. 
No, I mean, we already said the guy killed, one dude killed trees, famous trees. Is it worse to kill a famous hundred-year-old tree or burn down your brother-in-law's house? Well, I mean, maybe you don't like your brother-in-law. Maybe this had nothing to do with soccer. Maybe this was just he hated his brother-in-law. What about this guy who probably actually slept with his brother-in-law's wife? Oh, oh, who was probably related to him, actually, now that I think about how wow. that all works out. Wow. Um and that's what it's about, but he didn't want to tell the authorities that. So he was like, yeah, we got in an argument about soccer. Yeah, that that <laughs> that could be. But some of those soccer dudes, they take that stuff you think? crazy serious. Oh, really? We, we think we take our sports in this country seriously. Man, oh, man. I mean, the poor dude, the poor dude that got shot over the World Cup. Thanks for auto goal. Bang. I mean, that's awful. Bum, awful. bum, bum, bum. Breaking news. Soccer fans, take it seriously. No, they take it nuttily. <laughs> They're off the charts crazy. Now, I'd ask you this. Is there anybody's house you would burn down because it's a rival? I don't think I know any Wright State fans personally enough. Oh, that's right. Because you've, that's... You've got an insane hatred for Wright State that I still can't, yeah. get, can't grasp. Like, but if you had to go like media, media rivalries? I don't. Tell us. Ken no. Brew? You want to fight Ken Brew? He's got an orange face, but I like Ken Brew. <laughs> <laughs> He's good people. He's got a good George voice. Vogel? You hate George Love Vogel? Love George Vogel. No, George, George is my guy. You and Jeremy Rao. Jeremy Rao is a guy that rubs everyone the wrong way. I'll punch Jeremy in the face one day. I could see that. <laughs> you, you, but he has a tag team member and Joe Daneman with him, so that's yeah, the only thing. I don't think I could take Joe. I think I could take Jeremy. I don't think I could take Joe. Yeah, Joe's kind of wiry. What about uh, our very own Jed Demusi? You got any beef with him? You got no beef with him, but I think I could take him. Yeah, you'd kick his yeah, ass. He, He's very him, soft. Him, I'm not worried about. Yeah. So. Who is who's the who's the one media member Keenan Singleton at Channel Nine that you wouldn't want to fight? I'm not fighting Keenan. Is Keenan the one guy we don't want to fight? Keenan's the one guy that when he's in the Bengals locker room, I'm looking around going, I ain't sure any of these guys want to mess with Keenan because he can because he's still in shape. Oh yes, very like, much. I mean, so. that's the big thing. Like he's Keenan, tall. He's not a huge guy by any he's means. About six by six two, six three, right? Yeah, but not like not like a big, strong, stocky guy necessarily. He's, he's a but he's, really good dude. Yeah, he's super nice. Really like him. Um, but he's in good shape. Yes, correct. And there's not a lot of us who are in shape. Yeah, I, we're, I, we're shapes, but or, not yeah, in shape. In shape, that's correct. Yeah, I, 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 I have love for everyone, Rick. That's me. I'm the I'm yeah. That, that is, de- yeah, that's definitely you. So I guess we're not going to get on the record who you're going to fight out of the media, huh? No, I like them all. They're all they're all my people. They're all my people. I even like the young guys like yourself. I even try to take the young guys like yourself. I even like James Rapine. <laughs> I even like that little guy. So I try to take them all under my wing. I try to be the 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 the, the sage, the wise old owl of the group. Doesn't happen very often though. Yeah, that that's very much what people think when they hear you ranting I, about ghost sex and <laughs> short pants. I, I will say this. I will say this. I did start a chant on Saturday that I didn't mean to start. Kirby Smart gets under my skin a little bit, the Georgia coach. Oh, yeah? And I was not in a good place during that game. I was just it was frustrating. <laughs> I was I was sitting in the student section, actually. My daughter got tickets, so I had to sit in the student <laughs> oh, section. And honestly, the students around me were great. I made friends with a couple of dudes, a girl behind me. Uh, they were I, Honestly, the, kid, I loved, the kids were great. I, I really did enjoy it. I was surprised at myself. I thought, I'm going to sit in the student section. I'm just going to have a bunch of idiot kids who don't know anything about football around me. They don't even know how to cheer. They're not even going to know what to do. They were great. Loved them. Really, truly did. But at one point, there was a pass interference called against Georgia, and it was clear. The, the, the cornerback literally put his arm bar on a wide receiver, wouldn't even let him get to his route. Penalty markers came from It wasn't like one guy. It was like penalty markers came from everywhere. Mm-hmm. And Kirby Smart's just whining. And I don't even know why I did it. I just blurted out, blank you, Kirby. Shut the blank up. And all of a sudden, here came the little murmurs. Blank you, Georgia. No, uh. Georgia. Thank you, Georgia. And I started looking around going, oh, my goodness, what did I just start? Holy cow. Man, I would have not – I would have bet against you starting a chant in the student section. I know. Like, there's not a, there's not odds you could have given me that said, 
oh, Skinny will start his <laughs> chant in the student section today. I would have, I would have taken whatever odds you gave me yep. on no. Yeah, I don't. I, I, and I, it was just a, I, it just came out of my mouth. So you were worried, you were worried about these students acting up and being idiots in the stands. Little did you know, I would be. You the, were going to be I that was idiot. Be the idiot. So I was the. Idiot. The only other idiot was the drunk kid that fell basically down the steps by me, and I kind of looked at him and thought, "Oh, son." I've he, been, I've been there, little guy. He amongst us, <laughs> yes, you know. Yeah, he yeah, amongst us. I've been there, little fella. And here came security. They weren't happy with him. And I thought, that's nah, just a bad, it's a bad beat for what looked like a beautiful Saturday afternoon. There's <sighs> two things you don't want to do at the football games. Where, quite honestly, especially if you're at an NFL game now, pretty much anything goes. We no see question. all types of sexual acts. We oh. see all types of fighting. The two things you can't do are fall down the steps. That's correct. Fall asleep. Oh yeah, you can't, can't do either no. of those two, or they'll yank you so quick. Yes, correct. Sir, you're too drunk. You're embarrassing. Yeah, exactly. Or if you fall asleep, somebody just dumps popcorn on you just for fun. Yeah, but I mean, if you're fighting, by all means, you'll end up on World Star. They love that. They do love that. <laughs> all right, Rick. As always, enjoyed it. We will be back next week for a potpourri edition of the podcast. For Rick Roaring, I'm Richard Skinner. This has been the Skinny Podcast, the potpourri edition, presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati.